All right, welcome back in another edition of the Damn Podcast. Brandon Sprague, 1080 The Fan, Angie Machado, BeaverBlitz.com. It's been a while. It's been over a month since we've done a damn podcast. We've had people tweet us and ask us, when's the next one? When's the next one? Apologies. I wanted one last week. My schedule got crazy, uh, but I finally was able to text with Angie. And uh, it's nice to, uh, to to hear from you again, Angie, and for us to get back together and do a pod. I know it gets kind of crazy this time of year. You know, it gets crazy with the holidays. And then, um, like, for me, this time of year is bonkers with all the recruiting and trying to keep track of I'm, – I'm back to tracking private jets again, Brandon. That's, that's where my life is, Wait. tracking private jets and um, seeing which coaches are going where. I was going to say, is that why you, tra- you track the jets to see where they're flying out to? Yeah, yeah. So okay. yesterday, uh, Jonathan Smith was on a private j- uh, plane, private jet into Sacramento. So mm. that's where he is located right now. Okay, so you're following everything on recruiting. You always do at BeaverBlitz.com. Um, I've been following it as well. Not as closely, obviously, as you, but I've been following it since we last talked and they had the early signing period. That was the last podcast we did. They've added three new coaches since we last spoke. And recruiting has hopefully been getting turned up. I haven't seen much on the commitment side. What do you want to start with first? Do you want to go coaches or do you want to talk about just where they're at right now in recruiting? You know, right. I think I think we start there because that is what has been getting so much play on Blitz. And, you know, people are kind of getting a little panicky because uh, the Beavers signed 11 back on December 20th. Pretty decent, you know, group of guys. And they have not had another commitment since that date. So um, Beaver fans are getting a little, we are just over, signing day is two weeks from tomorrow. And while they've been hosting a lot of recruits, there's been about five each of the past two weekends. Um, There's another four right now set up for this weekend. One dropped because he committed this week, this past weekend. But um, I, I know there's Beaver fans out there that are kind of wringing their hands, like what is going on? And, you know, I think there's a couple things in play here. First, the Beavers are still in it with some really good players, right? Isaiah Crocker tripped a couple weeks ago. Um, this past weekend, they hosted Tayshawn Henry out of Houston. And these are, you know, high three, low four-star players that still had trips set up to, you know, Nebraska or Texas Tech, Oregon. So I, I really do think, and I, I don't have this for fact, but Coach Peterson up at Washington has this rule that if you're going to commit – you're going to commit, and you're done. You're shutting everything down. And, and these guys do, they want to take those last couple visits. So, um, you know, they haven't ruled Oregon State out. They just want to take their visits. And, frankly, I think it looks better for the Beavers to have a guy wait, see his options, and then commit rather than commit on his visit and then two weeks later decommit if he sees something different. So it feels like to you that he is stealing kind of a page out of Peterson's playbook here. Yeah, I, I really think we see a lot of Peterson-esque um, traits with Jonathan that he's bringing onto the staff as far as, um, you know, recruiting uh-huh. and evaluation. And, and like I said, I have not confirmed that that is kind of their, their pitch, but that's the way it kind of appears to me is that, you know, if you're committed, you're committed. Mm-hmm. And we want you, but don't commit if you're going to keep taking trips. Okay, so if you say something like that to me, uh, not being a guy as in tune with recruiting as yourself. If you just say he's taking the Chris Peterson approach, there are a lot of Chris Peterson similarities in terms of how he's handling this and that. I get instantly actually excited about that. That was my big hope was if he gets this job and he ended up doing it, if he gets the gig, he he kind of unleashes this hybrid of 
his own thoughts, his own thinking, his own creativity mixed in with the way Chris Peterson ran a tight ship and ran a program and then also trusting on his assistant coaches. When you say that, I get excited about it. Now, am I wrong in that or how do you view this? Is this a good or bad thing for Oregon State It's being played out this way? You know, I right now my my feeling on it is kind of neutral because I and and Beaver fans need to remember that Jonathan's only been on staff. Gosh, it's not it hasn't even been two months. This class might not it, it's ninety nine percent probability it will not be a great class as far as rankings go. Um, but from all from what we are seeing, they are in it. He's being very honest. You know, when, when we talk to recruits and hear what the pitch is, you know, they, these guys are it's really resonating with them that a Jonathan Smith played here and won a chance. You know, they won here. They were number four in the country and, and crushed Notre Dame while they were here. So um, they really trust that he knows what he's doing and what it's going to take to turn this thing around. He also surrounded himself with some really bright football minds. What I'm still waiting to see, though, is like what kind of closers are these guys? And to me, it's almost an intriguing to watch. So Oregon and Oregon State both hired new coaches, new head coaches this year. Oregon is still in that approach of a bunch of great recruiters that are known to be great recruiters. Oregon State looks to be more, um, I'm not saying they're bad recruiters, I guess closers might be a better, better term, but Oregon State is taking more of that great teacher approach. Mm-hmm. I'm anxious to see, you know, like two, three, four years down the road, how that plays out. Well, that's, that's what I wondered, right, going into the process was, are you going to surround yourself with a group of coaches that are either very aggressive and great recruiters or is your approach and your thinking at that job, Will Riley did it this way, Erickson was good at this uh, to a certain extent, like getting the players in, developing the talent, and building them up to play like they're three, four, and maybe a few five stars sprinkled in. It was very interesting to me to see what approach you would take. And I think, and by the way, since we last spoke, they've hired three new coaches uh, and we'll talk about them in Tibisar is their D coordinator, Petrie, their running backs coach, and Burns, their secondary coach. Those are the three names we didn't speak about on the last podcast. But on the staff hires, that's what I was interested in. Are they going development route and saying, look, we know what we are in Corvallis. We know what we're possibly, what we can get recruit-wise. We'll take our chances in developing kids versus putting all our eggs in the four- and five-star basket. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what we're, we're going to see. Um, and that's really kind of the approach that both Erickson and Riley it took. You know, you look at Erickson, and, and he kind of had those development guys, but then he was able to plug and play some JUCOs mm-hmm. that kind of were able to fit the, the need, the immediate need at the time. Um, and, like, we can jump right into coaching because I have not spoke to Coach Tibisar yet. He was um, at Wisconsin, linebackers coach at Wisconsin, um, super bright. I've heard a couple interviews with him, and you listen to him, and you're just like, dude, this guy gets it. He knows. I mean, he, he spoke on Mike Parker's show about tackling and fundamentals and how that it's so important to get right back to, you know, they, they will practice tackling every single day. He said every single day that is going to be part of the drill. Um, and he wants aggressive. He wants aggressive players that, um, you know, he said, his mom might not know exactly what a 3-4 or 4-3 defense or where they're supposed to be, but she could say those guys were running to the ball. And he goes, that's what I want. He goes, I want the fans to be able to see up in the stands that, wow, that defense is swarming to the ball. Yeah. And, I mean, I think Beaver fans kind of got excited over that thought because it's been a while since we've seen that. Well, it'd be nice to really have that kind of coach, too, that takes this approach and it's very hands-on. It, 
I don't know. Like we we got sold a bill of goods with the last guy, and so I think there's a lot of people like myself that are skeptical. You're a little gun shy. Well, yeah, yeah, you're a little like you don't want to go all in and uh, and hear an interview or he, see a tidbit and go, oh yeah, here we go. He knows because we got that from the last coach. We had um, that. Yeah, yeah. But but I like what you're telling me. Like known as a smart guy, real cerebral with the game of football. Point. He was a four point, has a master's degree. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you look back at, at what he's done. He coached for the Chicago Bears. He's had a stint as a D coordinator at Purdue. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I think he really and kind of coupled with Trent Bray. So, you know, we, we kind of know what Trent Trent is very similar. He's a very cerebral. He has been around the game his entire life and uh, a real X's and O's kind of guy. So, um, I don't know much about Burns yet, the secondary coach. I did reach out and spoke to the Cal uh, site on 24-7 who said good coach, good recruiter, and, you know, a fan favorite. Fans loved him, and they were kind of upset that Wilcox didn't keep him around. And then uh, Coach Petrie, running back coach, young guy. I mean, many probably remember when he played fullback down at UCLA, um, with Maurice Jones Drew, I believe is what I do I remember that. Walking yeah. back for him, um, just another. You know, I, I talked. I reached out to Brandon Huffman, who does cover some UCLA, and then cover. And he's like, great guy. Like he will be lights out as a recruiter. So um, that lights was good out to hear as a from. recruiter, huh? Yeah, he says he just he has he gets along well with kids. He's from um, Southern California. He played at Bosco. He coached at John uh, St. John Bosco, one of the you know top programs in the country. So he knows. Um, you know, has some good connections down there. And, you know, I just reached out. Oregon State just offered a new running back, Jamar Jefferson, out of Narbonne down in, in SoCal. And um, talking with that young man, he's visiting this weekend, and he said Coach Petrie came by, and I just he, – he kept it real and uh, was able to tell me, you know, what what the coaches liked about my game and, and what, you know, what I could bring. So this is a kid who, through his high school career, has I – was, I was doing his write-up today, and he had – 4,098 rushing yards wow. in his high school career. Yeah, 57 touchdowns. So uh, pretty impressive, you know, stats down in a pretty good good area. Yeah, I can't speak on Petrie. I, I, don't, I don't know much of, of uh, Tibisar outside of, of what I've kind of just seen at a glimpse. I do know a little bit about Burns, um, and, and I'll kind of just piggyback off what the people at Cal told you. I spoke to a couple former players uh, that are familiar with him, and – they actually, they told me straight up, they're disappointed. They have no uh, eligibility left because they they lo- they would love to play for him. He That's is, great. yeah, he is a guy that knows exactly what he's doing, how to teach you to do it, and he's kind of a player's coach. So I've heard really good things about him, coach wise. Um, I don't know much about the recruiting aspect of it. If he ends up being good, then then that's that's fine too. But from what I heard, I heard glowing reviews about Greg Burns, their secondary coach. Well, good. I mean, that's, um, you know, so like, like you said, it, it's hard because we all have to kind of take a wait and see mode because we, we've heard a lot of talk the past couple of years. And so now it's time to, to see some action. Okay. So before we get to maybe some names, um, this pod won't be as traditionally longer. It'll be a little shorter, but um, we're two weeks away from the signing period, as Angie pointed out. Let's, I want to go, before we get into the names, I want to go down the staff real quick. So you have okay. Smith head coach. You've got uh, um, run game coordinator, offensive line. His name has escaped me. Um, Jim Mahalachek. Mahalachek. Sorry, I didn't want to say it wrong. Mahalachek. Riley is an assistant. He's more of a figure. Um, Lingram. And he'll be coaching tight ends. I think that's new yes. since our last pod, too. Yeah, that's right, too. Uh, that's true. Tight ends. Uh, Lingren, 
is the OC, Tibisar DC, Bray linebackers, Burns secondary, Cook is special teams, uh, Hinson, Heinson wide receivers coach, uh, Petrie running back coach, and Leggy is your D-line coach. What do we make of that staff as a whole in terms of what you were looking for and what they ended up with? What were you? What was your ideal thought of him putting his staff together and where does that stack up with what they did? You know, I, I actually think it's pretty good. I mean, you need to have some diversity um, in your staff, both age, race, you know, just a nice a, a range. You need, you know, you need a poly guy in there that, you know, Leggy has connections to Hawaii. He actually was, when I talked to him, he's, he knows uh, Sam Allo really well. So um, he, they did that. And Jonathan, at his press conference, his introductory press conference, made a point to talk about how important it was to really focus on kind of the Pac-12 footprint as far as their recruiting territory. So I'm going down the list. You have Mahalachek, who spent his whole life basically West Coast. He was at Oregon State, Cal, Arizona, with a a stint with the Raiders in there. Um, I mean, Riley. Riley could go anywhere, really. I mean, he's recruited a lot of places. Lindgren has that um, Colorado, kind of that uh, mountain territory. Tibisar has... He's the one that might be outside the, the realm with his Midwestern ties. Yeah. Trent Bray um, has been here. He is actually focusing more on the on the Midwest as well, though. He's down in Texas right now. Well, he built up that pipeline at Nebraska for a he couple did. years. Well, and he had it at Oregon State. I mean, he, you mm, know, okay. A lot of people don't remember, but he recruited Jonathan Willis out of Oklahoma and Bryda Guaybu out Touché. of Texas he before did. That's he right. left. So, I remember that. Um, that's kind of his, his, his area. So Greg Burns, again, West Coast guy. Cookus has spent time. He's kind of... He kind of helped with Washington, I know, in the past with the past staff. Henson, everything I've heard, the guy is originally from the Oakland area, big time in that area. That Northern California has big ties there. And then, you know, with Petrie, and, and then Burns of Southern California as well. So Petrie and Burns really hit that Southern California market hard. So um, I like it. I mean, I think those are, when you, when you look at that, you need guys that have connections in different areas. So Jonathan addressed that. And then looking at the staff, you want guys that have Power 5 experience, even Pac-12, to be honest, because then they've seen, you know, they've not only coached the competition, they've seen everybody as well. So um, Holacek, Riley, Lindgren, um, well, Bray has in the past, Burns, those guys have all, you know, been here, see, they know what the competition, they know what type of player they need to get to be successful. You know, one thing, too, that I, I was thinking about um, with this staff is when Anderson came in and he built his staff together, his staff was kind of built with some guys that were ready for head coaching gigs. Like, we didn't know it would come so quick, but it was still a staff of guys that were ready. Maybe Tibisar is a name, but is this staff outside of even Riley, is it like one that you think leaves quick? No, I don't. I think... Uh... You know, I think, I think Tibisar is, is the one. Mahalachek has probably had numerous opportunities to do that. He hasn't. And, you know, they make him the associate head coach. He's like number two, number two guy. So, um, you know, Mike Riley's assistant head coach. And I think the salaries came out. He's making 50000 a year. That's not yeah. bad. For, well, that's, that's actually yeah. the average for what his role is, like assistant head coach. I thought that kind of role was like six figures. And turns out the average nationally is like 48 and some change. He's making 50. Huh. Crazy. So I was like, okay, well, Mike's not really costing him much, but he's also pulling in 165000 a month from Nebraska, so I think he'll be okay. <laughs> I think he'll be okay. I think Mike Riley um, will be okay. He'll survive yeah. okay with that salary. Yeah, and he can ride his bike to work because <laughs> he still has his house. I mean, I, I ran into him on signing day, and 
he's like, oh, isn't this crazy? He goes, my house, I still, you know, my house is just still there. I came home and my bed was right there. And did he did he come back often at all in the couple years in Nebraska? Like, at, was he here? He was. I, I, Kate lived here uh, with Eli, and then Dee, I think, spent most of her time here as well. So um, I, I know friends ran into him, like, sledding up on, you know, the McKenzie Pass. And, um, you know, just he, he was, he's been around. Mm, okay. Was that weird to see him? A little. Um, but, you know, I think it might be strange for him. I mean, it was funny because they did this interview, and they were putting everybody, all of the media, and they were bringing coaches down to the locker room. So that's where they were doing the one-on-one interviews. Mm-hmm. And then Jonathan had the, the podium up in the media room. So, you know, everybody knows Mike, right? So although a lot of the media has changed and they're new, but it was good to see him. You know, same guy, same same guy. So Yeah. And he seems eager to be there. I, I don't know what that means. You know, d- what does he help with? What does he really accomplish here? I don't know. But there's something to wanting to be here that I think he is always going to have that with him in his coaching career. He is going to go to the grave kind of with that of just knowing what Corvallis means to him, what it mean, what it meant growing up. And, you know, I, I know some people question it. I was one of them. But you think about it, and it's nice to at least have – a few guys on staff that truly, truly have that passion to be at Oregon State. Yeah, and you know, I've been very critical in him as well. And, and recruiting, I, I didn't think that they should use a spot for him as a recruiter, as an off-campus recruiter. And he's been very active. I, I've been actually surprised. I mean, they he flew down to um, New Orleans a week and a half ago to mm-hmm. meet with a East, East Mississippi's quarterback down there, um, Lindsey Scott, met with him, met with some other guys down at um, Landry Walker, and um, he's been very active. He's down in Sacramento today meeting with guys, so um, I, I've been surprised, and I've been, you know, it's, it's nice to see him. It's out in the road. Like you said, he, him and Jonathan together, they know this place. Mahalachek, they've, they've seen this place be at its best, and um, there's a passion there. You know, the other thing, too, that I was thinking about is um, the appreciation for your own and I see this sometimes, um, you see this sometimes in, in all kinds of platforms in life where somebody grows up in your neighborhood or somebody grows up in your city or your school district and they go on and do something cool. And what does everybody do in that area? Most of them, I mean, you get a couple of haters, but most of them are like, you pull for that person, you right? Like, even if you're not the biggest fan of what they do or what they're about, you still kind of pull for them because they're your own. And yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny to think about Riley back on this staff and now Smith and and thinking about that passionate press conference that he had about how happy he is and he was getting teary-eyed at the press conference just talking about being the coach of this program that he once played for. There is something about this team and this staff that I wanted Gary Anderson to succeed. Nobody was as disappointed by the way that whole thing ended than me. Um and and I think it, there's a little more there that I didn't know existed to wanting those guys to make it, to wanting yeah. Jonathan Smith to go win and just thinking about how freaking awesome that is to watch that guy if he, on a Saturday, can pull some big upset against Wazoo or Oregon or Stanford or somebody and get this team back to respectability in a bowl game. There's something about that that almost gives me like happy goosebumps just thinking about how cool that would be. Oh, completely. I mean, and it's funny because he really comes across kind of Riley esque. Or you know, you even said he reminds you a lot of Peterson. They're not like raw, raw, exciting guys. But I've talked to several guys that played with him, and 
They said, you'll never meet a bigger competitor, mm-hmm. competitor than Jonathan Smith. So I'm like, okay, well, let's just see what he can do. But you're right. I mean, I'm looking at the Super Bowl in a couple of weeks. I really don't care. I'm not a Patriots hater. I am not – I don't love them. I don't love the, the um, Eagles. But, gosh, how cool is it to watch Brandon Cooks or Isaac Samalo or Josh Andrews get a ring? Yeah, exactly. So that's, um, that's where I'm at. Yeah. Okay, so let's get into some of the names. Um, I think the biggest name we teased the last time is uh, Talanoa Hufunga, where they're going to have a chance to get back in. You had mentioned before on the pod that uh, uh, without a Keith Hayward, that probably wouldn't happen. Of course it didn't. He goes to USC. So let's look at some of the names. For those that maybe haven't subscribed to Blitz yet, haven't been to Blitz, just follow the podcast Let's try to play this as dumbed down as possible for people out there that don't follow recruiting quite as closely. Where are we at and what have they done in the last month? You mentioned no commits. What are some names? What's a name to be looking for uh, in these next two weeks? Several big names. And first of all, I just have to say, if you're not on Blitz at this time of year, you have to be. Seriously. Seven-day free trial. We have a, a thread each day, and we update it whenever news happens even minute, you know, like coach came to visit kind of thing. So first of all, you got to get on blitz because it's kind of fun to follow recruiting. But let's talk some some names. Um, you know, people talk about Beavers not getting a lot of four stars. And number one on our Beaver Blitz war room right now is a wide receiver, four-star wide receiver, Isaiah Crocker. He visited um, two weeks ago. And uh, he's right out of Sa- uh, Sacramento. He's really good friends with signee from last year, Trajan Cotton. So um, he is announcing on the 29th. So when is that? That is coming right up next Monday. Yeah. He'll be committing, making his announcement. Visiting Oregon and Nebraska. So he is still, um, those are kind of his top three right now, Nebraska, Oregon, and Oregon State. I feel that he's a beef. I, I just all along I felt pretty good that he will be a beef. Um, there's a need, you know, at wide receiver, and uh, he fits in well. So um, that is... That is probably a number one top priority, top recruit right there. As far as quarterbacks go, um, a new name that popped up, and and a lot of our listeners probably remember him to some degree, Jack Coletto. He was at a Camus, led Camus to their undefeated season um, a year ago. Mm -hmm. He is down at Arizona Western. No big offers came for him um, out of high school. He went down to Arizona Western, played East Mississippi in the championship this year. they lost. So East Mississippi is what's the show? What's the show with the Oh, uh, um, 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 the Netflix Last show. Last chance you. Yeah. yeah, sorry. So um, Jack Coletto visited last weekend. He is visiting Vandy this weekend, and then will make his decision. Um, offensive line and defensive line have been two big ones. Um, Ronnie Audette, this kid from Elk River, Minnesota. He's rated two-star, but if you watch this kid's film, I don't get excited watching offense and defensive linemen. I'm just, I think they're hard to watch, right? Well, yeah, it's, hard it's, to, it's for sure hard, hard to, to tell. Yeah. Dude, dude, Google this kid or get on <laughs> Beaver Bliss and check out Ronnie Audet. Seriously, the guy pancakes people left and right. Fun to watch. Okay. Um, he is actually, I, I spoke with him. He doesn't have any visits. He's from Minnesota, Elk River, Minnesota, small town. He was actually committed to North Dakota State. And then all these people started kind of coming in on him, and he opened things up. Wisconsin and Missouri have both been talking to him, although they have not set up a visit with him yet. So kind of, they're kind of what we call slow-playing him. Uh, Oregon State, though, likes him a lot as a D-tackle. So um, definite position in need. 
One of Coach Bray's top recruits right now is another two-star, and it kind of surprises me a bit. Out of Dallas, uh, Fort Worth, Luke Brockermeyer, he visited two weeks ago. So a lot of these guys have visited, you know, and uh, now it's just a matter of you know, he has Rice and uh, Nebraska he's checking out. So okay. um, an, another wide receiver who is coming in this weekend, one to watch, wide receiver Andre Hunt. He was a four-star, dropped to a high, high three-star right now. Um was a USC commit and now has opened things back up. Again, it's it's Nebraska, Oregon State, USC are kind of right there in the in the thick of it for him. And I know D tackles are huge. And I, I mentioned Coach Riley had been down to Landry Walker down in uh, Louisiana. Defensive coordinator is a guy by the name of Dennis Christopher. Do you remember that name at all? Dennis Christopher played for the Beavers. Yeah, I do. So he is down there as their DC. And uh, Oregon Coach Riley was down and offered two players. Uh, Defensive end Josh Smith and defensive tackle Kimon Smith. Kimon, I know, is coming up on February 2nd, that last weekend. But uh, a couple names that uh, we're definitely keeping an eye on. Okay. All right. So focusing on the lines a little bit here, uh, trying to add some girth, some big boys that are ready to play football. Um, I like to hear about the Crocker kid. I mean, that, that gets me pretty excited. Yeah, I mean, he's he's one of those, you know, kids that I, I guess grandma loved the trip. His mom actually passed away, and that's, he is announcing his college decision on his what would have been his mom's birthday. So um, I, I think that family atmosphere is big for him, And um, but Oregon has been making a big push as well. So um, obviously you have to watch watch that one. Just some, just some really good names. I mean, another visitor this past weekend to Sean Henry was – Totally one to watch. He's the number 24th ranked all-purpose back in the country out of Houston, Texas. So uh, he was excited. I spoke to him on Sunday. He loved his visit. Calvin Tyler, another Texas running back, hosted him. And uh, he's actually visiting Texas Tech and Nebraska. So those are his next two visits. And then he, he has a signing day decision. So if they're going to get in on a lot of the names you just mentioned, um, it, it may be last, but I'm just curious, Angie, where do you think it would put them in the conference? It, it'll still be low. Okay. I mean, they'll, but if, you know, 10, 10, 11, if they were to get, you know, several of these guys. Okay. Um, but like I said, there, there's some good building blocks there, good pieces. Um, and like I said, I know people are stressing because there's new commitments. I said 11 signed. They could sign technically. They can sign 14 um, for a full 25. I don't think they have that much room. It was going to be a small class to begin with. Um, I think they were actually initially, you know, back this summer, it was looking at maybe like 17. Now with, you know, Seth Collins gone, a couple other guys gone, 20 maybe. Mm-hmm. So maybe another eight, nine players. Um that can actually sign and and you know be here. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's you know that's really good news. Hopefully that that can, you know, hopefully they can secure a lot of that talent. Um, how many of the kids do you think are impact players, like immediate freshmen that get a chance to go out there uh, and prove their worth? And by the way, I don't know if this rule goes into effect this year or the next, but I remember that rule that just came up in college football because we talked about it on my radio show. The uh, red shirt rule. Where red kids, shirt rule. Yeah, they that's can play crazy. four. They can play four games, right? Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. I mean, it's great for that's the players. That's huge. That's huge. But trying to keep track of the guys that red shirt it for me now is a headache. I can't <laughs> even imagine trying to. Yeah, because it's always something weird, like some stipulation. Well, he played five minutes after this date, or whatever that in. I I'd never followed that. Well, the old rule that. is if they played at all. And that's what it was. If they played all. one snap, they're done. So yeah. Kevin Cummings, I, I don't know if you remember that one. I remember that I mean, story. I'm old, so 
Yeah, I mean, he played like I think two plays and then ended up breaking his wrist, and but it was after the you know first quarter of the season. Um, yeah, so I think it's great for the players. Instant impact. Well, I mean, a guy like Isaiah Crocker would be an instant impact. Right now, the guys that are there, I mean, you look at some of the, the players that are already in Corvallis, I'd have to say, you know, um, Isaac Hodgins, D-tackle, could be an instant impact kind of guy. Um, just And Isaiah Smalls, he's a tight end. He is on campus, enrolled early. Mm-hmm. Could be a, a big-time, you know, right-off-the-bat kind of guy. Yeah. Well, it's good to follow these names. Um, we need. No, I feel like I just like spewed out a whole bunch of names. No, you did. Sorry I mean, about the, that, the, no, the information's great. Um, I was trying to think too, since we hadn't done a pod in a while, and I feel like I've teased this too many times, and listeners probably roll their eyes when I do it anytime now after the first two. <laughs> I know you guys did a Q and A with Barnes on Blitz. I really want to try to get him on the podcast. I don't know what day you have to be able to come in, but I think that would be a lot of fun to have Scott Barnes sit down. Uh, maybe go through what his day was like the day Gary Anderson announced that he wanted to leave, uh, where the program is currently at right now. I wasn't able to catch the Q&A on Barnes. How did that go for you guys? It was good. It was really good. Um, you know, lots of good questions. And it was fun because, you know, he was able to come in. I think it was a Thursday. You know, we posted it Tuesday in the lodge. People could just post their questions. And then he came in Thursday morning and wrote responses to all of them was and he, was answered duck- all of them. And He didn't duck any questions? No, and in fact, that was. I, I think he might. I think he might have been a little worried, right? Because I think he was worried about the whole the anonymous nature of a message board. Yeah, and uh, just being hammered. But you know, people, you know, Beaver fans, especially Blitz fans, are, are smart. You know, there's like we've had our discussions about you know funding the football and recruiting. We've talked recruiting a ton, um, just as far as like trends and where it's heading. So, the smart fans. I, I really do think. Uh, Scott Barnes was pleasantly surprised and and liked the questions. I mean, they were some tough ones. You know, there were some tough ones and some that he couldn't quite answer, you know, unless they're doing their their study and their feasibility studies and some of that. But um, definitely a good conversation. Well, the other thing, too, like message boards, you're nervous about that. I I get that. I mean, you you do hear bad stories out there in sports, especially college football. I I don't know why people would hammer Scott Barnes. It's it's not like he's come in here and hired three coaches that have up and just quit or been terrible. I mean, for the most part, as as the as the AD, he hasn't been here long enough to really say he hasn't done this well enough. So I don't know how you hammer him. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think, um, no, it went, it went well and very thoughtful, thought-provoking questions. Yeah, so that's kind of my goal for 2018. Um, more guests. More guests. I like it. I mean, we did okay last year, but I think we could do even better. Not Crawford. Crawford. Crawford's our guy. Do you want to hear sad news? Oh no! What? Crawford quit the fan. He is moving to SoCal. He is working on a new movie uh, that's non-sports related, but he is officially moving back to Southern California. Oh my gosh! Well, good for him though. So if he if he joins us, uh, and I'm sure he'll want to because he'll still be watching from afar. He'll be up here for some games. Uh, it'll have to be a day that you're in, in studio. studio, and uh, he can call in on the hotline. Sounds good. So uh, we can well, get Crawford good for back him. Down. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, anything else we need to touch on? No, I think this is good. I'm, you know, we'll have more, obviously, I mean, more visits this week, more visits the following week. And, and, and we'll be just, back next week, too, with another uh, podcast as well. We'll update you. We're not going anywhere. 
No, you guys so. are stuck with us. So sorry. <laughs> and next week, let's do some. We'll do some damn questions too. Yeah, we'll do damn questions. This was kind of. I texted Angie this morning. This is on a Tuesday. Spur of the moment. Schedule opened wide up. She said she was pretty flexible this week. I said, let's get some information out there. Let's talk about the hires. Let's talk about some of the kids that uh, the recruits that they're aiming for. And this is kind of a, a lead in for next week's, and then the week after that, we'll have a a mega signing day edition. Maybe we'll have uh, a couple guests on that one as well. Um, so yeah, is there anything else you want to tease? No, I well check out Beaver Blitz. If you if you don't check it out like today and tomorrow, I will give you a little tease that Friday is the bit is the start of our big weekend promotion. Okay, that's awesome. So, so if you like to save money mm-hmm. and you like the Beavers and you want to like you know get a few months extra for free. Check out the site Friday. Okay, there we go. Angie Machado, one on Twitter. BeaverBlitz.com is her website. I'm Brandon Sprague, 1080 The Fan, Dirt and Sprague, Monday through Friday, 12 to 3 uh, on The Fan here in uh, Portland. All right, thanks for everybody for for listening. Uh, Leave a five-star review. We always appreciate those. Any nice comment you could pass along or something you think we should change, greatly appreciated. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. We're back. The damn podcast is back. We'll talk to you next week on the damn podcast.